welcome to another episode of Last Week Out. Last Week Out is brought to you by Sissy Art. She's got cool, hip art, cactuses, t-shirts, tote bags. She makes all the artwork for our video and for our Instagram. If you're interested in any of that, please follow her on Instagram at Sissy Art for more information. If you like that amazing lo-fi banger we just played, that little, that little sample... <laughs> That's from Devin J. Hancock, and you can follow him on Instagram. He's a producer and just just a great guy. Super mm-hmm. artistic, so the stuff he makes is really cool. And cute. And cute. And cute if you're into that kind of thing. Um, you can follow us at Last Week Out. You can email us at thelastweekout at gmail if you have any questions. Or maybe you have a story you want to share with us. You know, Email us. Let us know. Holler at us. Get in our DMs. Talk to us. Speak to us. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, let me uh, let me just introduce everyone in the room. <clears throat> You've got me, your captain. Not the captain. I am definitely the captain. First, I'm, first mate. Well, okay. Well, again, your captain here, Chudzy. Okay, I'm not necessarily steering the ship, but I'm telling the guy who's steering the ship what to do. So that makes me the captain. I still smell like Similac. Mm-hmm. I hate that drop so much. It's the, it's the worst drop ever. I'm 26 now, David. Okay? I still smell like Similac. Wow, dude. Real mature. I think you're the one that smells like Similac, honestly. So the person I'm bantering with is our producer and messy mustache guy. Messy mustache guy. Yeah, he's got these mustache hairs that just leak over his lips. Whenever he's eating any kind of something saucy, it just gets stuck in there. And you can actually follow his mustache on Instagram at... At David's mustache, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it, yeah, I mean, I used to have a mustache, so I get it, but mine was always trimmed and nice. Anyways, then we got our conversationist. Me. That's this guy right next to me, to my left, mm-hmm. Anthony Tatum. Can I get a round of applause, David? Why are you yeah, not on me. these drops like you're supposed to when they say my name? All right. Yep. That's Pretty usually what happens whenever that. someone introduces Anthony. There's just crickets because he's really not that fun and he doesn't really have much to him. He's just kind of tall and lengthy and he's got spaghetti arms. So if you like... People like spaghetti. Not pe- mm, not our guest. Some people... Our guest doesn't like spaghetti. I don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> At all. We'll get into that. And that and that sweet southern drawl you just heard right there was Miss Danielle Zimmer, <laughs> a good friend of ours. Hey, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's everyone in the room. And I hope you guys... Uh, I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Yeah, no, I think it's going to be a good one. So like we said, Danielle's here with us. Thank you so much for coming on such short notice. When did we ask you? Yesterday. Oh, (laughs) we are. I don't know if you know this, but the guys at Last Week Out, we are amazingly efficient planners. And uh, and so when we ask, though, that, you know what? That's not true. But what we are is uh, we have an amazing group of people that we can reach out to. So even though it was late notice, I hope that the listeners don't assume that we are not eternally grateful to have you here. Honestly. OK. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what do you say? Do you say not eternally. Grateful? You're welcome. You're welcome is what she should say. <laughs> and uh, so, Danielle. You are a friend of ours, and uh, we'll try and pretend like you're not and asking some questions maybe that we know about you. Uh, what's your deal? What's going on with you right now? Who are you? Tell the people. 
Who am I? Yeah, who are you? All right. Um, so I'm a girl. Yes. Um, and I live in Arizona. And I know y'all. Yep. Very well. Um, so I don't know right now in life. I'm going through a process. Where I got a new job. Um, That's always hard. Yeah. It was actually, it's been a good uh, transition for me, which I'm actually enjoying. Mm-hmm. So I'm happy about that. But I don't know. I'm just... Figuring things out? Yeah. Okay. Live in, do you have roommates? I do. You okay. had Danny on your show last week. That's one of my roommates. Right. And who else? Gene uh, Savage and Brian Brunzi. You live with a bunch of guys. I do. And <laughs> it's you, amazing. Are you in a relationship with any of them? No. God, no. How does you, Are you in a relationship? <laughs> I am. Okay. I've been seeing someone for like nine months now. Does he ever think it's weird that you're just living with a bunch of guys? No, but he hates I live in Mesa. Oh, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. For, for the listeners who don't know, uh, Mesa is what? 20 miles outside of Phoenix? Yeah. And it's ghetto. It is kind it's of nothing ghetto. nice about Mesa. It's very embarrassing. Well, Bird was saying that uh, last time when he Bird was our first guest and Bird was saying that it is a there's a wealth of treatment centers in Mesa. Yes. OK. They need it. They do need it. Yeah. There's uh, always people getting like walking down the street and you're just like you're high as hell. That makes me feel at home. I, I mean, I grew up so I grew up a little bit north of Atlanta in a city called Kennesaw. But I spent a lot of time in Atlanta, and if I drive around the city and there's not homeless people walking around, I feel a little out of place, personally. No, I don't mind driving around them. I just don't want them in my front yard. Yeah. Like camping. No, I get you that. You know? So well, like, and in, in defense to uh, sort of what I'm saying is, out in Atlanta, the indigent or homeless community, they're really sociable. Like, you could talk with them. It's not like you were having, like, deeply intellectual conversations at all times. But they would make you laugh. They'd probably have a good joke out here. Something about the sun and the heat. And it's also that predominantly the drug of choice for the homeless community, at least in my mind, is meth. And woo. I, yeah, woo-hoo. <laughs> and the, they are like zombies. Like they're super cooked out here. So the homeless are less. I, I mean, I, I hope that I'm not coming off insincere. I deeply care about the homeless community, but they're, they're a lot less fun out here. No, I agree. I went this last year and I would go down and feed the homeless. We'd raise some money. We'd go give them some McDonald's and hand it out. Uh-huh. And there were some that were great. And then others that like, I just like scared me. But yeah. I agree. Like I've been around like in Tennessee. It's got a little bit rough. That's where I'm from. Uh-huh. But it got a little rough out there and it was more homeless, but it was a lot more approachable. Could have co- carry on conversations where here it is a different type. Yeah. I, I know what you're saying. It is. When you were feeding the homeless, were like, what were you guys, were you guys, did you have to cook the food? No, well, I would get, what we would do is get donations from people and we'd go to McDonald's and buy like $300 uh, worth of like hamburgers, french fries, oh my God. sodas, Can you imagine Gatorades. being a McDonald's employee? You're like, is this a fucking joke <laughs> right now? You walk in, you're like, I would like 250 hamburgers oh they're about that though are they really yeah and they're real strict like i went back the next day the same person who checked me out i went back after i placed the order for the next day pickup i went back to pick it up and she's like do you have a receipt oh you had to call it in yeah okay that makes sense and i was was like you saw me yesterday i made the order with you and she's like i have to have the receipt yeah we're not playing someone else came and picked up a 250 hamburger order at least they didn't tell you that the hamburger machine was broken yeah well we all know how that goes they don't uh, even have an ice cream machine i'm convinced no that's probably true for some of them i think actually it's just more trouble if i'm if i'm being honest like i think that they just probably clean it you guys have you guys ever worked in a kitchen before yeah many years okay so it's like once you get that area cleaned up 
it's like I'm just gonna tell you it's not a an option anymore. If you try to order the ice cream, I'm like I'm sorry, it's out of order. But act, what it actually is is we just cleaned it. So we're lazy. You're, you're not gonna. Well, yeah, I'm fucking. You're lazy, and then also like you probably don't need to make flurry at this time of night. If we're just being honest, it's 11 p.m. Like, why don't you just have a sprite? You know what I mean? When they tell me that, when they tell me that, I want to roll up a ball of tinfoil and eat it. Have That's ever, how angry I get. Oh, I, I was at a I was at a place yesterday. I was a dollar. I was getting some balloons for someone's birthday, uh-huh. and uh, I was like, I want to get that balloon right there. And then she looked at the balloon, looked at the helium tank, looked at me, and said, "Uh, yeah, we're out of helium." <laughs> I, I was so. I was like. I'm always impressed okay. with people when they work in and like it. So here's what I think about is like, do they have a balloon training center at Fry's when you get hired? Like the other day and, and this kind of segues into I was I go to Home Depot and I feel like everyone at Home Depot is a pro in every area of life. I could just be like, hey, do you know where the irrigation lines are? They're like, yeah, the back of aisle 14. And I'm like, where do they find you people? Oh, I worked at Lowe's. Okay, so tell me about, did you have to train and learn all of you this You just stuff? learn as you go. Like, I can still tell you aisle five cleaning supplies. But I was also high on meth at that time when I worked there. Oh. So I used to always go in and face everything. And it was my favorite thing in the world. That aisle was like porn for you. Yes, <laughs> it was. Yeah. And the cashier stand was right across from there. So I would just sit and stare at it. And I was like, I'm going to get you. Oh my it was God. the best part of my job. Well, I'm going to be a little more cautious about the Lowe's employees next time I go in there. Shout out to Arthur Blank and Home Depot for keeping the meth addicts out of their employment. Lowe's is better. <laughs> I heard a story about Home Depot and Lowe's. Have you guys heard this before? That Lowe's, and I, I absolutely, please fact check me on this, so don't take my word, actually never take my word as Bond, but I had heard that Lowe's is the offset, and I don't know if it's Arthur Blank's ex-wife, but I had heard that Lowe's is a store because the owner of Home Depot's wife left him, and she decided, in spite that she was going to open up another you know, home store or uh, what, what would you call Home Depot? A, uh, you know, a home improvement home store. Home improvement store. So Lowe's is a uh, product of resentment. And not only did she open Lowe's, but that she decided that she was going to put a Lowe's within a mile of every single Home Depot. And that's why they're always pretty close to each other. Have you guys ever heard that? No. I have, I have heard that. And uh, I think it's malarkey oh yeah it's a lie it's a lie sometimes that's savage though i hope it's i love her yeah i hope it's true true, because i love her and i want to be her friend that's insane (laughs) that is insane i'm sorry for going on that tangent and for our listeners if it's a lie i apologize please please dm me yell at me but uh danielle so you're working you're living with uh gene danny who else brunzy brunzy all of these gentlemen you're working Uh, it's a wife boot camp a wife boot camp what yeah. is that you're training them? i'm training no i'm training they're all wife. training you yeah so you know like the cleaning the shopping the taking care of the house do you not like doing that stuff no i like it they're great i would love they've been great roommates but it's a good opportunity for me to learn how to be a housekeeper okay 
for when I move out and I like move on oh, in my life. Oh, I'm following you mm-hmm. now. Like you have to constantly help these guys. Yes. Okay. I thought that the, they're they pretty were good. training you on how to be a better wife. And I said, that's a lot of chiefs and one Indian. That doesn't seem like a really healthy environment for you. If you have a bunch of guys telling you what to do. Constantly. No, they're not like that at all. They're just very, and they're very protective of me. Okay. That's nice. They're great. It is. It's great. I love living with them. Um, it obviously does get a little hectic having three roommates sometimes. Yes. But like they've been great in this fact of like we'll go out on our patio and we'll sit and we'll have like hour long conversations. And you've heard Danny last week and Danny's one of the best people you can talk talk to. Yeah. I don't know what that was. That was a hiccup. Yeah, that was weird. It was embarrassing. Do you did when you moved in, this is I love multi roommate situations <laughs> because I've lived in a few and I've somehow, probably through manipulation, if you ask my other roommates, have always ended up in the good room. I'm in the best room. You are? Oh, yeah. Well, that I use the sense. garage. I have the master bathroom. I got the bathroom or master bedroom and I have a bathroom in my bedroom. Did you live there before them? Before Gene and Brunzi, after Danny. Okay. But he's got like a master suite as well. Do you guys split the rent evenly or did you come up with some sort of, um, you'd say like accommodability to uh, financial detriment sort of number? So no, like certain people. Only. Oh, yeah. so you're just living lavish. Yes. Did one of them have like a closet for a room? No, they're all nice sized rooms. But I mean, it's a three bathroom, four bedroom house. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. So it's, we it works out. Danny's looking to get a house, so he'll be leaving soon. We'll miss him. Yeah, I'm going to cry for sure. And then Gene got upset because he told me he might be moving out. And I said, oh. And he said, that's what I get. And I said, no, I'll just, you know. See I'll miss ya. you. Danny's been my roommate for four years. There's hey, like a bigger connection there. I have boxes I love in the garage you. if you need them. <laughs> I'll help you move. Whatever you need, just let me know. You know, when are you thinking? Can we set a date? Is that possible? Yeah. that's. What, I love them though. I do. I love all the guys I live with. We just, we've all lived together for at least a year now. Gene was the newest one to move in. But yeah. Gene's incredible. Yeah, Gene's a good guy. Yeah, he we is. We all know him. And so for the people listening, a lot of our friends are coming on. I It'll be a fun day when we get a guest that we know absolutely nothing about. That'll be probably pretty hard for us and pretty weird and probably even weirder for them. Do you know what I mean? Like they'll probably be pretty uncomfortable. Even with the people we know, this is weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like this, this has been weird every single time we've done it. Yeah, I'm excited for the video portion for you guys to see the actual room we're sitting in. You probably seen photos, but we're sitting very close to each other. Like I'm, uh, I'm about to sneeze away from being on Chad's lap. So yeah, which I'm, you. which I'm okay. Don't with. clip that, David. <laughs> David's eyes just lit up. <laughs> <laughs> all right so uh danielle more about you so you grew up in tennessee uh loving home oh um <laughs> that was a strong yes this is gonna be good this is gonna be really good um i grew up with a brother um uh, my mom older or younger he's older okay um but it was me and my brother mostly growing up my parents got divorced when i was young um but my mom was a drug addict um and she got herself in a kind of abusive relationship right off the get-go um, so that's kind of what I grew up around. And then I grew up with my nanny and papa taking care of me for so the most part. So you lived part. at your grandma's I lived with my parent, my mom, but my nanny and papa would pick me up every day from school, feed me, and then my well, mom would come I, get me at I, night. We're in the middle of something good, and I hate to interrupt, but for anybody not from the South, a nanny and a papa is a, is a grandma and grandpa. Am I yes. correct in that? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's my sure. mom's parents. All right. Oh, do, do you have a different toy nickname for your dad's 
Okay, please yeah. go ahead and share. Grandma and grandpa. Oh, what? <laughs> That's all they get? Yeah. They don't get Mima and Pop Pops or something? No, they live in Indiana. They're used to it. It's the Midwest to find. Okay, okay. So you grew up with uh, your grandmother on your mother's side. My nanny. Okay. Your nanny and your... <laughs> my nanny and my papa. Your nana and papa. Yeah. All right. And then did you split housing? Were you living with dad sometimes, living with mom some, or ever? Yeah. No. Well, I was always with my mom, but I would come out here in the summers to visit my dad. He lived here in Arizona. Okay. And then I'd spend every other Christmas here with him. But I mean, growing up there, it's, it was weird because I wound up moving out here when I was 13 because of my mom's drug addiction. And then it was weird because back home, we didn't have any money. So we lived on food stamps. We lived kind of in the ghetto. Like there was a lot of drug dealers around. We had a drug dealer living with us. And then I moved out here. My dad was Holy doing shit. well with himself. So it was like a, I didn't know how to adjust. Cause I went Do from Do you remember like, the drug dealer's name? Red. Red. Yeah. What the fuck? Not the guy from Pineapple Express? That's him. That's actually him. <laughs> That's actually yes. him. That's actually, wow. Um, but yeah, we grew up there. And, the, and so that was how part of my life was like rough. Like I love my mom and everything. But like I went through a lot of shit back there with her. Like wake, I'd go in down, down, down Chattanooga at like two in the how morning. How old were you before you knew, oh, this is kind of fucked? I don't think I, I don't know. I remember, so I remember the first time I knew my mom was definitely on drugs. Well, we were living in a hotel at one point. Um, but I knew she was on drugs cause I was laying in bed with her one night and I woke up and she was saying, she was on the phone with my stepdad at the time. And she's like, I only talked to him to get the drugs off of him. And I was like, I had a feeling then I like, obviously I heard, and I was like, she does drugs. I think I was like in fourth grade. And so my answer to that was the next day she came home or came to my nanny's to pick me up. And she was like, how was your day? And I was like, good. I was like, they had dare there. Um, and <laughs> I was like, and they say people who do drugs are horrible people really bad people and i was like waiting for her to say something to me because i was like trying to guilt her into it and she's yeah. like oh that's good and i was like you're evil you were oh. doing that in fourth grade yeah master manipulator oh yeah well we learned quick we have to yeah. we have to adapt so you move in you move out here when you're 13 yeah and i moved in with my dad his alcoholic wife and my stepsister man and it went from having no money and living like below like normal income or whatever it's called i guess poverty level yeah. i don't know um to them moving with my dad who had money but had an abusive alcoholic wife my goodness so i went from one abusive step parent to another um the only thing that changed was location and income right so but i mean she was literally an awful human being i hope i think she's doing better now and i hope she is but she made my years living out here really fucking rough fuck man I can cuss, right? Yeah, you can cuss. Fucking say whatever you want. All right, cool. All right, so you you came out here. You're 13. You grow up. You go to school. You go to call. Did you finish high school? I did finish high school. Yes. Yeah. In that environment. Yes. Well, yeah. She wound up moving out. Um, It was really weird for a while. She moved out. We actually moved away from her for like a year. Me, her daughter, and my dad. And then we moved back in with her. And then her and her daughter moved out to a different house. Yeah. Um. So that made it easier to finish out. She just lived in Anthem while we lived. I grew up in Cave Creek. Um, so it was easier because she wasn't around us all the time. But like the first night we moved into our, our house that I live at now with my dad or I lived at. Yeah. Uh, we had to get the cops called. She went to jail. It was a shit show. Oh, my God. Welcome to the neighborhood. Yeah, no <laughs> kidding. There goes the neighborhood. And so for you, seeing all of this, having this sort of, you know, I don't even know the the beacons of hope in your life 
kind of having these toxic relationships and growing up is did you have conviction most of the time? And I'm kind of act, asking a leading question because most of the time people who grew up in that environment are like, I'm never going to be like my parents. I'm never going to use drugs. I'm yes. never going to do that. And so what sort of happened? Did you I, obviously you shared with us you're smoking meth and working at Lowe's. So <laughs> you, you took a huge leap there. So my mom passed away when I moved out here, like four months after I moved out here. When you were 13? Yes. Oh, wow. Um, so she passed away and then I kind of just quit caring because that was a big thing for me. I was like, I'm never going to drink. I'm never going to do drugs, um, which is a little false. So like right before she passed away, I went out there for that Christmas to visit them. And I remember convincing her that dad, my dad let me drink. I was like, dad lets me drink. It's fine. Like, don't call him, but he lets me drink. What? Yeah. How, but dad kind of never like, let you drink. No. Dad, oh, no. Oh, you so, sly dog. I got dude. her to buy me wine coolers, and I was playing Barbies and drinking my wine coolers. It's always wine coolers at 13. Oh, yeah. Always. always. Smirnoff And ice. then, oh, no, I can't do it. It's too, it's too sweet. For a 13-year-old? Yeah. Well, I didn't like right. Smirnoff. It got me sick. Okay, all right. All right but then right. I came back out here, and like two months or a month and a half later, she passed away, and then it was spring break a month later, and everyone I knew around here smoked weed and drank and did all these things. So they asked me if I wanted to drink, and I said, yeah, like drink, drink. And then my first drunk was with tequila, which I just moved here from the south, so I pronounced it tequila, which actually makes sense <laughs> That's now. not a southern thing, by the way. She can't pawn that <laughs> off as a southern thing. I'm from Georgia. I've never said the word tequila. It's just it's grammatical error. Yeah, it wasn't very good. I remember I got wasted that night, but I remember they took the bottle and hid it from me. And I went in the bathroom and I found it. So then I got like a red solo cup and I poured water in it from the sink and I poured it in the toilet and said I was pink as I drank the bottle. And then like the next night we started smoking weed and we started smoking cigarettes. And then it was just like, and then, but then with my mom, I was like, oh, I understand now why you like this so much. Oh, a little bit of relatability. Yeah. And I quit being so angry with her. Holy I, shit. What a, that's powerful. I grew up like thinking she always just chose drugs over her kids and she didn't care. Right. But then once I experienced it, I was like, I get it. Yeah. I can see this now. Okay. And so the drug addiction and that sort of became prevalent in your life. Oh, right away. No. Yeah. Like I technically failed eighth grade. Not tech. I failed eighth grade. Did you have to go back a year? No, because I went to a charter school the next year. And so they didn't require you to pass eighth grade to go into oh, high school. My, you got so lucky. I always <laughs> felt so bad. I Some of my like most wonderful friends uh, had a lot of trouble in school. And I remember for them, that was like the biggest fear was like having to go. It's like you're, it's like getting demoted at work nowadays and you just go back to every and you're just like around, especially at that age. There's such a big difference in one year. Like you feel like the people under you are just like your peasants, you know? Well, my nickname at my job um, when I was a hostess, so I think it was in 10th grade, I believe. I can't remember. But my nickname was 0.18 because that was my GPA. Ouch. How did people <laughs> figure out your GPA and why did they think it would be cool to call you? Point one eight is it's not a bad nickname though. No, I liked it. Yeah. It, it, it didn't look good for me, but because I remember they asked me because I was always like drunk and stuff at work and they were like, how are you doing at school? And I was like, I don't know. Last I checked, my GPA was 1.8 and they're like 1.8. So that was my nickname. Oh my gosh. So nowadays. Later when the cops are breathalyzing you, that's, that's <laughs> yeah. your new nickname. Your nickname is point one nine. We've changed it. So are you currently not drinking, not using any drugs? I am not. 
I have not gotten high or drank anything for the last nine years. Oh my. I'm going to get you. (laughs) (laughs) But for the people, I feel like I have to let people know when there's clips for David. David is just always making clips. So um, you're not drinking. How long did you say? Eight years? Nine. Nine years. Yeah. Oh my goodness. What an accomplishment. Congratulations. Thank you. Is it a big deal for you? It is. Um, it is. It was a bigger deal in the beginning. Now it just seems like it's a part of my life to not drink and get loaded. Yeah. Um, cause I just know there's, there's nothing it can bring to my life. Okay. And it can only take things away. And your relationship with your, and, and I'm sorry to hear about your mom, but your relationship with your dad. Oh, it's good. Yeah. He's, um, he's great. We, um, he left the wife and they got a new girlfriend that was an alcoholic. Um, and he actually dropped me and her off at treatment on the same day. Your dad's got a thing for these Yeah, he people. does. And it's weird. Cause he's like the most normal person. Like he doesn't drink, like he doesn't smoke anymore. He used to smoke cigars. What does like, he do for work? He owns a magazine called uh, Swore Gold. And then he has one out in Vegas, but I forget the name of that one, but it's the same thing. It's consumer magazine. Okay. runs ads and everything so what he's been doing that for man. the last like 20 years we always joke about bringing whoever someone shares about it's like so can we have your dad on here next oh you week? should <laughs> he's awesome <laughs> okay so uh so nine years congratulations so what i kind of want to sit down and, and talk with you about and you and, are sitting well god damn it so what i want to talk with you about and kind of the ethos of our podcast is that we want to talk about hardship and overcoming hardship. And that was Chad's sort of volition when he started it was to have people kind of come on, share about something that's really pressing. So whether it's drug addiction for you and overcoming it or something else is to kind of share with the listeners. And the hope is that someone out there will hear it and go, wow, like I can relate to that or I know someone who can relate to it. And for you to kind of share maybe the solution to it. And if you don't have a solution also, like something struggling is just kind of to create that connection. So is there something that you kind of feel like you'd like to talk about? And and we're probably going to segue into a break in the next five or 10 minutes, but maybe just kind of start the dialogue for us. Okay. Um, I mean, it really depends. I mean, there's just here's the thing throughout my life I've struggled with a lot of different things whether it's with drugs alcohol sex gambling losing people losing people um, which Chad always seems to bring up when I'm around him Um, (laughs) I always find out Um, but yeah I've had a lot of death in my life Um, and I think it's made it really hard for me to have solid connections with people and I also have severe commitment issues and I think it's a sec I'm actually just recently going into therapy uh, because my thinking is this, we all go through through these experiences in our life. And like, for me, I was always accepting of them. Like, whatever it happens, people have it worse. But these experiences we go through in our life have effects on our current relationships, mm-hmm. our current outlook on life. Yeah. Um, so I'm currently in therapy to kind of figure out where everything stems from and how it connects and how it's affecting my day-to-day life right now. Like your current actions, is that what you're asking yes. about? Or, or your seemingly connection issues? Just certain ways I react. So like for me in a relationship, it's really hard for me to connect to a solid person and stay long-term with somebody who's a good person to me. And it stems from the history I've seen and the way I've been treated by men in the past. So, and I don't know these things. And so she's just pointing it out where I'd say something to her and she's like, that makes sense that you wouldn't be able to do that because you haven't had stable relationships and like your quote unquote protectors haven't really been around to protect you. So prior to the boyfriend that you have current, how long have you been with the boyfriend? Nine months. Nine months. Yeah. Okay. Prior to that longest relationship. Seven years. 
Well, that doesn't sound like a connection issue. It sounds I like was, you created a pretty strong relationship there. We did. We were also drunk and high for a lot of it. Oh, so it was toxic. Yeah. The whole time. Um, not in the beginning. He was a great guy, but he struggles with alcoholism as well. Um, so towards the end, it got a little abusive. Um, but I was getting high with his mom and he didn't know about that. That's oh, who actually that's... started doing meth with was his mom. Wow. That's a lot. Yeah. Okay. Let's take a breath on that one and let's take a quick break. We're going to all jump out and then we'll be right back and we're going to jump back into uh, Danielle smoking meth with her boyfriend's mom. <laughs> Now, Clips with Friends with Richie P. So something else that's that's weird that, you know, trips me out like a lot was that whole Brett Kavanaugh thing. And um, I don't know if you know, but it was a guy who got elected to the Supreme Court. And there was that lady that accused him of essentially like raping her when they were in college like, I don't know how long it was ago, but it was a long time ago. And it trips me the fuck out because basically we have a guy that's on the Supreme Court that has been accused of raping somebody. And whether he did it or not, I have no idea. I don't really care, to be honest. Actually, no, I do care because that's fucking gross, but... That trips me the fuck out, dude. I just ate uh, 17 pretzels and chugged a 7-Up during the break. Ingested a little bit of nicotine. Mm. We have a reoccurring theme with this here podcast. We like to take breaks, do nicotine, do pretzels, do Mm 7-Ups. And then we start talking about stuff. We start talking about different topics and things like that and how the podcast is going. And um we stumbled apro- uh, across a topic during the break that um, Danielle <laughs> it seems to be a recurring theme in our, our friendship that we always talk about. And I bring it up because um, it's tough. It's really, really tough. And it's a hard thing to go through. And, you know, I know she has a lot of firsthand experience with dealing with this topic. And that topic is death. You know, and... uh it's the aftermath and how we get through it because nobody gives you nobody gives you a handbook or any kind of sets of instructions like hey if someone you love dearly passes away this is what you have to do and it comes down to the human experience and it comes down to I don't really know what it comes down to my experience with it is like people are like how'd you get through it and I'm like I don't know man I don't know yeah it took it slow well and and 
to kind of segue to is we were talking about you smoking meth with your boyfriend's mom and that was a connection issue and we were kind of talking about you know where that stems from and you were talking about going to therapy and then you were talking about you had even brought up the fact that you had lost your mom um at 13 years old and so kind of going back to that is when we're kids we're really resilient we don't really have an understanding of the totality of loss at least i know i didn't when i was younger and nowadays when we lose people and chad was saying there's no handbook i think i have learned a couple of things i know in the south we we know to bring people food i don't know if you know that oh yeah yeah it's a that's a pro tip there if somebody uh loses a family member you just you go by there you bring them a bunch of food just a little southern pro tip there um but for you and what we've known about you and we've lost mutual acquaintances people that you were close to and so i kind of want to hear you know your experience with a couple of deaths that i know about and maybe any that i don't and then we'll kind of see where that conversation goes so let's talk about your mom if you're comfortable talking about it which by the way hold on we have to kill the elephant in the room i'm sorry (laughs) by the way when we came back from break we ran about 10 minutes of this conversation it was fucking magic Mm. and david was not recording so kind of like jack black's uh what was that song the greatest song in the world all right that's the lost clip I mean, Danielle was crying. We were all sobbing. <laughs> Somebody overheard the conversation outside. They've changed their life in that interim. So all right, all right, I'll make a formal apology, okay? Please. I'm about to sneeze away from being on Chad's lap. All right. We're going to keep <laughs> on going. So let's talk a little bit about that stuff, Danielle, and see where the conversation goes. Because you were kind of sharing with us everything around what had happened and when you had heard about losing your mom. Maybe you could share that with uh, the listeners. Yeah, I was just saying um, about like the first death I ever experienced was with my mom. Um, that was the first time I ever had to deal with it. And I was just saying how like when I found out I was in eighth grade, they called me into the office. My dad and his wife were there. Um, and when he told me about it, I kind of just dropped to the floor and started crying um, and asking about my brother because he still lived at home with her while I was moving out. I lived out here. Um, and the original sentiment was it was suicide. And then we kind of put together that it possibly wasn't suicide after that um but i remember just i mean i i I mean you don't know i don't know how to explain the feeling i mean i didn't know what else to do besides cry um and it still like affects me to this day i mean there's i think about like my wedding and things like that and like my mom's not going to be there yeah um and that was the precipice though like you said for you starting to use drugs yeah and kind of just that thing or that you know laws uh, shot you into just experimenting with drugs and doing things along those lines. Absolutely, I quit caring. Yeah. Um, fun fact: my mom, you have a flamingo tattoo. My mom has a flamingo had a flamingo tattoo. That and you want to know even a more fun fact: that flamingo tattoo is for my mom. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. That's a the I love mom flamingo tat. That's awesome. Um, and so, what about lost today? Um, well, like I said, I, I've since having experience using drugs and everything a lot of my friends have gone through the same route um you know but not even today but like growing up in cave creek i think i lost 15 people wow. um, from cave creek alone that is a lot of people yeah. what about like people you were close with or acquaintances a few Facebook of them friends? that i was close with no i knew all of them had hung out with all of them like actual friends how'd um, they pass from drugs drugs and suicide were the two prevalent ones wow we live in a crazy um, era right now yeah so it was rough the first experience i lost of someone my age was when i was 15 with a heroin overdose 
Um, he was 15 years old. Um, and that was my first time seeing somebody my age die. And then it just kind of kept going after that. Every few months, someone would pass away. Someone would die. Um, whether, like I said, suicide or drug overdose. And mm-hmm. then in the recent years, um, back in 2015, I lost my friend David, who was a close friend of mine and one of my best friends. And then... Um, yeah, I knew David. Yeah, he was a great guy. He was. Um, he was actually supposed to be going to treatment that day when his roommate found him. Um, and that was a tough one. That was one of the tougher ones in, like since I've been around without using drugs and alcohol that I've experienced. And then shortly after that, my best friend John um, passed away, and that was probably the hardest death I've gone through um, after my mom, I'd say, um, just because we had this incredible bond. Um, I knew I could count on him no matter what, no matter how long we hadn't talked or seen each other. Like He was somebody in my life that I knew would be there for me no matter what. Yeah. Um, and I remember the day, and it, it was rough too, because the day before his funeral, our friend Anthony spent the night with me so we could go to the funeral together and then two weeks later, Anthony was dead. Um, Holy shit. So that was a tough, that was probably my toughest time in deaths while I've been away from drugs and alcohol. Actually, probably the toughest time in my life. Yeah. Um, I've lost other close people. Um, we lost a friend, Janice, a few years ago as well. Um, this past year, our friend Gary passed away. Um, and all of these are mostly to drug yeah. and alcohol? They were all drugs. And that's, and so... I know that when I share things like this with uh, my mom or somebody from even prior generations, when they hear about it, it's really heavy and really hard. And obviously it's heavy and obviously it's hard. But for us, we're kind of desensitized nowadays. I, at least I think so to the reality of, of drug overdose and how often it happens and how frequently it doesn't change that when it hits close to home, that it's very painful. I know when I was younger, I can remember a girl overdosing uh, from one of the uh, rival schools, you know, in middle school, you guys oh, have yeah. those. And I was blown away. And then as I got older and um, I experimented with drugs and I had a lot of friends who passed away. We had a friend pass away in our house from an ecstasy overdose. I didn't even know that was a thing. And I was incapable of taking those situations and processing them mm-hmm. and kind of coming to even acceptance and I was really selfish when I was younger so I would kind of monopolize that grief I'd be like well this is how this affects me and I would only be concerned with how it affects me even though it did nowadays when people pass in my life and I don't know if you can kind of share to this is it it, when it hits really close to home there's still a grieving period but more often than not when I think about these people it perpetuates me to just remember how frail my life is here. Like I think, you know, when I, me and my wife fight, I make sure that I tell her I love her before I leave because I think about just, you know, car accidents and all of these things that happen. So for you with these, all of these losses that were so close to home, like what are you feeling about them? What have those, you know, caused any transformation in your character? I would say so. Well, one thing right now actually is all of my pallbearers and my the person who's going to get my eulogy at my funeral, I let them all know because of the idea of like, I'm like, death happens anytime. Wow. So it's kind of caused you to plan for mm-hmm. your death. I've never done that. Yeah. They all know. I send them all a text message and said, hey, if something happens, I just want you to know. Like, I want you to be somebody who does my pallbearer. Danny's going to give my eulogy at my, wet, at my you funeral. Know what? That is heavy. 
because I hate when I go to funerals and I think in my mind that this is not how this person would have wanted this to go down. Have you guys been to any of those? Oh yeah, absolutely. That's so terrifying. Like if it, it gets kind of, and when you're younger, when they're younger people, you know, their identity isn't really known and it is more for the family. I understand that. But I mean, I swear to you, if there's some weird shit going on at my funeral, I'm saying it now on the podcast for you to play, <laughs> play back. But I mean, there better not be any fucking singing at my funeral. Do you understand that? Oh, we're gonna Confirm. be we're no. gonna be yodeling. No, Kumbaya. we're gonna be singing away. Okay, so you, you've assigned these positions for these people. Yeah, well, and a part of it too, though, is like you said, it's a lot of it's for the families. But like, especially if I were to go before my father, like mm-hmm. it's a lot for a parent have to having to plan a funeral for their child. Yeah. So it's gonna be easier. One, I have the most amazing friends in the world who I know will be there for my family. Yep. But kind of going and being like, this is what she wants. These are the things she wants done. Like my father doesn't have to worry about those types of things. Boom. So it's part of the reason why I did that also because I'm a little bit of a control freak and it's my funeral and I want it done the way I want it done. Yeah. Like these are the people I don't want people that I wasn't that close to come and be like, oh, I want to do it. And it's like, no, I want these people one to know while I'm here that they have that much impact in my life that I want them to do this role because it's a heavy role and it sucks. It's not like something somebody wants to do, but these people impacted my life enough um, that I want them to know that, that I want them a part of the final step for me. Do you feel like you get lost in the minutia of life less because of this stuff? Like you, I don't know what minutia. Um, means. like the uh, uh, like work <laughs> and money. That Mexican food. No, that's menudo. Like work, money, just the BS. Um, I I feel like I know life short, so those little things don't matter as much to me. Mm-hmm. Um, because of that, but again, I think it's just a different it's hard to explain because like when you go through it, the grieving process and I don't think you really ever get over a close death. I really don't. I think you, I think about these people all the time still, Yeah. but I learn how to go through life without them, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I still talk to a lot of them. Like I have conversations with John all the time, you know? And I remember like when you first lose people, it's a lot of, I've read about the grieving process and things like that. But I remember like a lot of it is, it's like bartering. Like I remember being like, let this be a dream. God, I'll do anything in the world. Just when we wake up from this experience, like let oh, yeah. this be a dream. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like it's hard to believe a lot of times. And there's still times when I like look at a picture of him and I'm like, this isn't real. Mm-hmm. You're still here, you know? Yeah. Um, but it does, it doesn't make me, it makes me realize like these people aren't in my life a long time, but it's also traumatized me to the point that like, I will think of people that I have now and think about them dying yeah. and cry. Like, oh, I, it, like they're still alive. Re- visceral reaction to yes. those thoughts. And I will let them know I just had a thought about them dying oh <laughs> and I cry. Please don't share that with me if you <laughs> have that with, about me. Are you, so you're going to therapy. Are you going to therapy about, is it kind of like EMDR therapy? Or yeah. You, it, really? Yeah, I'm actually just starting it. And it's funny because John was the one, the reason I got into EMDR is right before he passed, he'd started therapy and me and him both had kind of the same thoughts on therapy where we like didn't believe in it. Yeah. Um, and he's like, Hey, try this EMDR. Like it's great. Right. Um, so since then is when I want to try something, I've kind of always gone to a therapist left after the first or two times. Cause we'd go over like past stuff and I was like, yeah, this doesn't feel good. Mm-hmm. Um, but this last therapist that I'm currently at is amazing. And so we're going to soon be starting the EMDR work. How many sessions have you had with him or her? Her, um, five, I think. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's, and that's the longest. I actually went to a therapist once. It was my friend's parent. Um, I went to her twice and then I texted her and said, Hey, I'm not going to be coming. 
anymore. And she had told me at our first therapy session, she's like, you got a lot. Like a lot of people come in here with a little, like one thing. She's like, you got a little bit of everything. And she's like, it's going to take a lot of Holy work. Holy shit. Can you imagine how fucked up you feel when you go see a therapist <laughs> and they're like, yeah. Oh, it gets we're gonna, better. We're going to raise the rates on you. When I told her I wasn't coming anymore, she was like, please come back. I won't charge you. Please come back to therapy. Oh, you were a threat to society. She yes. was like, you need this. <laughs> she was like, just show back up. I won't charge you. Let's just do some work. You need you need to do work. Yeah. And I didn't go back. That's a good therapist. Yeah. She was great. But this last one, I mean, this one I connected with. You have to find somebody you can connect with yeah. and like point those things out to you and you feel comfortable talking about stuff well, with. And that's hard for people to hear is like, you know, you need to vet your, your therapist because you might not have a connection. I mean, my therapist now, and I haven't gone to see her in a while, but my therapist now is an older lady who is just a really strong lady and she will not let me just sort of rebuke her without her standing up for herself. So I really enjoy her. Yeah. And so like I'll go back to her kind of just to argue. It's kind of strange. We kind of argue for like an hour. And then at some point she'll say like some wizard thing that'll like put me deep into my feelings and kind of hush me up. And then she'll take $100 from me. Yeah. And I'm like, well, this was good. Thank you so much. I'm going to drive home and listen to some sad music. But so you're in therapy. You're feeling like it's heading in the right direction. And you were saying, too, though, that you do feel like it's affected your life. Has it affected you positively? Like, is there some positive things that you think have come about um, as a result of all this loss? I think it helps me to appreciate the people in my life more. Yeah. Um, I'm seeing you and knowing you, I would say that you are genuinely always kind. I haven't ever seen you. Well, I've seen you like yell at people, yeah. <laughs> but it's not you. It's usually still from a compassionate standpoint. It's not usually like, hey, go get, go get dead. Well, and I also look, go get dead. <laughs> hey, hey, go get dead. Go get dead. Um, well, also the, the really cool thing that can come from these experiences, and I've talked with people like my friend David who passed away, his his girlfriend at the time, me and her have become friends. Um, but I, I, I talked to her and I was like, and it sucks that it takes like sometimes death, but a lot of really cool relationships can come because a lot of what will happen is these people pass away and people from all like their lives come together. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times like different relationships can form and then you have a, this brand new relationship and you have an experience with somebody that is so deep that your relationships immediately comes just like a, not a surface level relationship. I'm trying yeah, to know how to explain there, I mean, it. there's a word for that. There's trauma bonds. Yeah. And so a lot of the times, I mean, I can remember actually speaking on when John, we were at the hospital and the people that were there and us consoling each other and hugging each other in the mm -hmm. waiting rooms and just kind of, you get a really good idea of what somebody is made of. Not, I don't think you're fundamentally made of that permanently, but just sort of like some of the people that I know in my life come off like huge fucking assholes right i'll know yeah. people who are like huge fucking assholes and they are almost like overtly conservative in some of their belief systems but in those moments i've seen people like that be there and be a rock and be solid for people and for me to kind of see like wow their belief system allows them to be really strong in moments like this and then also for me to show up and and to have that opportunity to figure out who i need to be in this moment which is kind of i'm sure my therapist would hate me saying that because it's like well why don't you have the experience that you're feeling but more often than not i'm analyzing and i'm thinking and i'm thinking about the best where i should be and what i need to be doing 
And don't look at that screen right now okay. because David is probably <laughs> clipping something. And but um, that's how that's how I process it. So trauma bond. So I get that. Yeah. And I've had those um, in my life, and and they're pretty powerful. But it is it's, that's the that's what you have to do almost in death is find the beauty that comes from it too, mm-hmm. and find those relationships where they got built and things kind of expanded from there, and like, and you keep that person's memory alive, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that's why people get bonded too is the trauma, but it's also I want to stay connected to somebody who knew the person that passed away, so we can still reflect on the memories and help each other through it. Wow. So if you knew someone right now going through what you went through in 2016, what would you tell them? Short clip, one minute, Bitcoin, or what is it? Not Bitcoin. Uh, soundbite. Soundbite. Bitcoin. Soundbite? Yeah, soundbite for them. I mean, honestly, I think everyone grieves differently. So it's hard for someone to give advice because no matter if I've been through something, I will never know what the person going through another. The same situation is feeling. Yeah. Our feelings are going to be different. But what I do mm. know is like you do get through it mm-hmm. and find people that you can be there and be your rock. Because I think that's the most important thing is having a stable community around you that can just support you through it all. Yeah. That's how I made it through was literally my friends just holding me some nights. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and just saying like, and then still inviting me out because a lot of times it's really easy. (laughs) I remember uh, our friend Chuck came over. He came to my house to check on me and Chuck, I think was somebody that was kind of a rock situation in in passing with John. Right. He came over to my house and it, and I was not a rock um, <laughs> at all. He came in my room and like my room was a wreck. And I think I had like 30, 40 water bottles just spread everywhere. I didn't have sheets on my bed. And he like came over. He's like, I just want to check on you. I was like, come in here. And I like, got in my bed. And he was like, is there pee in any of these water bottles? And it made me laugh. You know, I was like, yeah. no, there was not. And I got up and used the restroom. <laughs> but like he made me like feel okay again. and like laugh. And he was like, it's okay to get through this. And he would text me and be like, hey, you should try to do this. Try to do this. And like those are the things that got me through was just having other people help support yep. and knowing that I wasn't alone in this and that a lot of people love John and a lot of people were going through that loss. Absolutely. I'm flooded with emotion right now with you telling all these stories because that's, uh, I feel like our bond comes from as well mm-hmm. is, is through our friendship with John. And I remember for me, man, um, and I just want to talk about this real quick cause I feel like it's powerful dude is when John died, I was in prison. Yeah. You know, and I didn't have a community of anybody around me, you know, and it was one of the uh, <clears throat> I'm a little choked up because like I couldn't cry where I was, you know, I couldn't show emotion. I couldn't go back to the fucking pod and cry about my one of my best friends dying, you know, <clears throat> and all I could do in that moment, man, was to continue to do what was in front of me. You know, what was the next step? Like, OK, my friend's dead, but now what do I need to do? I need to be the best person I can in the situation that I'm in right now. You know, and I found that to be the best thing for grief for me is lay it aside for a second. What is the next thing I need to do? Whether it's at my job, I need to be the best employee that I possibly can right now. I need to be the best friend that I possibly can right now. You know, that's what I find. I find that to be my just immediate reaction to death. And I just want to thank you so much for being open and transparent and honest with us right now. Yeah, Jesus, we went down. We went down into yeah. some emotional stuff. Thank you so much. I hardly cried. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> I, cried. I actually remember thinking about you when it happened too, because I knew you were locked up, and that was sad. I was sad for you because, like, you didn't have that there, you know. And that's tough. That's what I'm saying. Like, lean on the people you have when you can. And if you're not in a situation that you can, is doing just focusing on doing the next right thing. I think it's the key thing, like you said. Because like, here's the thing. You want okay? So I'll be honest with y'all. So after shortly after John passed away, I wanted to get high again, really bad. 
because um, I just didn't want to feel that pain because I felt like a suffocating, like someone was sitting on my chest and I couldn't breathe. Mm. And I remember reaching out to somebody I knew that was still getting high. Um, well, originally I was like, can one of my friends started smoking weed and I was like, hey, can I smoke this? And they're like, no, I don't know. And I was like, uh, <laughs> and I was like, you're smoking weed. Like, you can't tell me no. And they're like, eh. and I was like, all right. And then I was like, but it was funny. And I was actually having this conversation the other day with somebody about how like my mind was like, oh, just I just want to smoke weed to feel like a relief for just a moment. And like she was going back and forth whether she wanted to let me know. And I went outside to smoke a cigarette and I called somebody else. Be like, hey, could you get me some meth? And he was like, absolutely not. He was actually, his comment said was, I will never get you your first hard drug. I'll get you your first hard dick. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> what a supportive man. What a yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get you. <laughs> and I was like, okay. But I realized like instantly, and he, like, me and him talked through it because he was actually a close friend of David who had passed away right before that. Mm-hmm. And he was like, dude, it's not the answer. You know what I mean? It's like, it's not the answer. And he was getting high, but he's like, I hate this. Like he's like, and it helped me kind of get through that having both the support of like people that weren't getting loaded and that like, could help me continue this from in my life and someone who is and is like, hey, like I don't enjoy this anymore. I don't want to do this. It's not the answer. Mm. And it helped me and it pulled me back in. Um, but I mean, that, that instant relief was really what I thought about for a, a while was just trying to get over it quick. And I'm super grateful that the, that person didn't offer me drugs or his dick um well he did yeah, well he, he offered did. i'm glad i didn't did. take it okay you didn't um, accept. <laughs> um but i think um i don't know it's it's that's weird it is because like you said i don't think you ever get over it yeah. you just learn how to live with it yeah um you learn how to honor those people with my mom me my best friend every year on her anniversary of her death go and like release balloons and we'll go do something together to honor her that's nice um and it is and it's like you create those those times with people that mean a lot to you and you kind of share that um with them that moment of like grief still yeah you know mm-hmm. and then so and and thank you thank you again seriously really really powerful and sitting and thinking about it with you today you're cognizant of how all of this has affected your connections and you're working on it yeah and do you think it's you're coming along i do you know i've showed back up yeah every time so that's always a good thing so (laughs) my typical routine with therapists is literally i go two times they ask me about my life i never show back up oh okay what about with your relationship um what about it i mean are you feeling like you're having a connected relationship i mean i'm obviously not sitting here wanting you to criticize your relationship (laughs) but look at your past relationships if it's been nine months now that you've been in this relationship and you've gone through all of these things. Are you feeling a deeper, like a, a more depth in this relationship as far as it goes? Like you're able to have that connection? Well, yeah. I mean, the fact that I'm even able to be with somebody for nine months is a big deal. Like I was, like I said, back and forth with that guy for seven years. But after him, my longest relationship was like 30 days. Yeah. Um, and I would never call it a relationship. We were just hooking up. Like yeah. you're not my boyfriend. Don't say that. Um, and with this one, like I've been able to kind of go work past that. And he's patient and willing to work with me on a lot of things yeah um because i'm the type of person that tends when people get like in a romantic sense get close to me i push him away and i will push any boundaries that i can Mm. and he kind of just like doesn't put out like pushes back and he's like all right if this is what you want to be like like i'm not going to take off but i'm going to work through it with you so it's been helpful yeah i mean my wife i've definitely lost way more people like my wife has never lost anyone in her family i was actually driving today 
thinking about how beautiful our life has been for the past couple of years that we haven't had like a serious loss and she's her family is just blessed you know and and they've lost a few people um that relatives that becca doesn't know because her family is that big yeah but we've just been like living in that beauty and it's really hard like it's almost that i need a forced perspective on gratitude it's like remember that things could be so much worse right now and i should be really grateful today and me and my wife talk about those things as far as like what we've gone through and how we look at it and she i i ground her a lot i think because of the loss Mm -hmm. like she had found herself in innately pulling away from areas that might impact her to see more loss and more death whether it be the rooms of recovery or just like even social networks from a large scale because we get kind of you know doctrinated with this stuff it's like someone's dying and whether it's recovery rooms or big friend groups constantly so you kind of if you're trying to avoid the pain will isolate yourself absolutely you know and that's a safety zone but then the next breath it's you know, we kind of forget that going through these things is, is going to make you and mold you into a real whole person. And happiness for most of us is about connection. I mean, I think for the people sitting in the room right now, you'd say, you know, if you had to put down on the things of value onto a piece of paper, very rarely are they the things that we invest a lot of our time into. Um, normally they're going to be like friends and, and maybe you do, maybe you're really fucking awesome at that. I'm not more often than not. Like I, I'll be like, fuck, I should call my friends and tell them, you know, just like, hello, how are you doing? Hey, guess what? You never do that. I know. You never do it. Weeks go by where I go. Anthony hasn't hit me up in a couple of days. And I'm not going to hit him up till he hits me up. Well, you know, something I did, it's funny I touch on that, is Danny, I love Danny. He's great. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the first person to You're having I did a couple extra to. servings every day, aren't you? There's Danny. That's him. Um, is I, what I did was I created a text thread where I'd hit up a bunch of people I knew was close to them, whether I was friends with them or not, and I'd have them send me a text describing what that person meant, meant to them. And then I would send them a non, like I wouldn't put, so I'd say I would hit up Chad and be like, hey, Tell me something about Danny that you either love or something your relationship means to you. And I'd get a notepad and I'd put those all on one notes and then I'd get as many people as I could and then I would send him a text message, but I would take off each person's name. So that way he just got a bunch, like 15, 20 quotes about him to like, like how amazing he was and things like that to help lighten him Wow. Yeah, I did that for quite a few people. Um, it's something I haven't done for a while, but you know, it really affected people. And it's good because like sometimes you forget like how much you're loved and how much these people mean to you. Yeah. And so it's like if you're having a tough day, you can open that up and be like oh yeah like someone does care you know and it's you know with something you said about your wife um is like one thing like when these people pass away it's like i hate like a part is like i hate that i'm i'm close to somebody that's passed away but the other side of it is like how beautiful and how grateful are you that like i believe in god and i believe god allowed me this time with this person while they're limited time on earth i was able to be a part of it and able to impact their life and they were able to impact mine and you know and they're once they're gone nobody else is ever going to be able to experience that life with them and you got the opportunity to be a part of their life and like that's a gift no that's beautiful i don't think i've ever heard anyone say that that is really powerful yeah and so i i know we're wrapping up so to synthesize for me what i'm hearing is like i know that i'm really bad chad i'm sorry i don't reach out to you as much as i I but i i know i'm really bad whether it be i mean i have a living grandmother right now Mm -hmm. and um i have these people like cousins i i rarely if ever talk to and 
I need these reminders from people. And, and this is like, wow, the power of this moment right here in this podcast. But in general, it's like maybe take the opportunity to reach out to these people yeah. and show them appreciation and show them love and, and kind of to have appreciation for the fact that um, I am a product of a lot of grief and, and a product of those. And, and like you said, like, thank God I got to have those moments mm-hmm. and I can kind of carry that and and be stronger in the future. But yeah, thank you so much for coming on and chit-chatting with us. It's been a really amazing experience. Any final words? Just value the time you have with everybody and thank you for having me. Thank you so much, Danielle. Oh, wow, I gotta take a deep breath. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And for those of you who may or may not wanna know, I've actually systematically made it to where I I see Anthony three days a week. So even if he doesn't hit me up, he has to see me. He doesn't have a choice. We're business partners. We do a podcast together. We do other things together. So, gotcha. All right, you guys can follow us. Remember to follow us at Last Week Out on Instagram. Follow Sissy Art. Uh, This video is going to have a bunch of her um, art and graphic design stuff that she's done. She does art, cool hip t-shirts, tote bags all kinds of cool stuff the song was made by Devin J Hancock you can follow him at Devin J Hancock on Instagram and if you have any advice maybe you have a story that you want to share with us uh, you can DM us or email us at the last week out thank you